Hi everyone, I am going to do a quick recording today and just see what it's like to talk about some of the climate topics that are on my mind at the moment. So this is me, my name is Vera O'Riordan and I am a full-time PhD researcher. So I'm working on my doctorate at the moment and what I'm working on is on low-carbon passenger transport models. And a lot of my research just focuses on the different ways in which we can reduce carbon emissions from transport. But actually, what I really wanted to do was just have a general chit-chat about climate action, about climate policies, and all the gossip that surrounds it. Like, I swear to God, it is such an interesting topic that, yeah, I'm just really excited to talk about it. And I thought it might be a nice format I love listening to different voice recordings myself and I love listening to different podcasts. So I said I might give this a shot myself, see what it's like, see if people like it. And yeah, you know, just a way to share more information, have a conversation about climate action and research and all of that good stuff. So as mentioned, my name's Vera and I'm working on my doctorate. So I actually wanted to have a little chat today about some of the things I was seeing about climate action in general and how we trust the information that's coming out there. So this is actually a really interesting topic because as researcher myself, we're also tasked with trying to get some of the research that we do out there. And it really is a super big problem that we have because I suppose I know just through my work that academics really are incentivized to you know, publish papers, do report work and really just work for their funders because that's where their money comes from. And as well then, you know, having your research outputs in terms of papers is really helpful for this academic metric, which we call a H-index. So you might be like, what even is a H-index? And yeah, so a H-index is basically this sort of a ranking that you get if you're publishing papers and they get a lot of citations. So you might be like, oh, what is a citation? Every time somebody references your paper, so gives a mention, a shout out to your paper in another paper, they have to cite your work. And that gives you a citation. It's like a little nod to your previous paper. And so this H-index ranking then is calculating the number of papers you have and the number of shout-outs and references that you get. And this really is something that a lot of researchers would get rewarded for, they get funding for, and they get allowed to continue on their projects. But then on the other side, you know, these academic papers that a lot of researchers we write, particularly a lot of climate researchers, They really are quite long and quite detailed, you know, they go into a lot of detail about how we did our calculations, they have lots of tables and numbers, which is really important for other climate researchers, but if it's not your job to be reading those papers, they're not very fun to read for, you know, the general reader, and that's kind of where climate outreach activities and science outreach activities come in, but, you know, not everybody has time for that. If you're writing papers all day... The last thing you want to be doing sometimes is maybe giving a talk to a school or writing a blog post that might be readable by many people. And as well then, too, 
a lot of people don't get paid to do this kind of work. So that's why then, you know, there is a bit of a disconnect between maybe some more of the cutting edge research that comes out of climate action and that is ongoing maybe in universities or even in consultancies too. A lot of them would be looking into these issues and between the general public, you know, because, yeah, there's just no funding for it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I sound like such an... <laughs> I, I haven't even finished my doctorate yet. <laughs> and I already sound like I'm a bit... Uh, what might be the nice word to use here? A bit despondent from it all. Like, oh, where is the funding? There's not enough money. Support scientists. <laughs> Yeah, so that's really my thought on the matter. We're not really supported in that. Now, that said, that said, there are more and more funding calls and grants given for these kind of outreach activities for science communicators at the same time. Sometimes it can be hard to link that to your direct salary. So as a researcher, you get paid pretty much through the university and what this means then is that the university kind of sets your sets your salary and sets your rate. Maybe you're hired by them as a contract researcher. And so if you do bonus scientific communication activities on top of your paper publishing, you're on the same salary that you would get if you were just writing your papers, minding your H-index, and looking out for maybe writing grants and stuff, which would be very research-oriented more than communications-oriented. There is a bit of a sea change happening, but it can be pretty hard to commercialise the kind of, I suppose, voluntary activities that research scientists who do a lot of communication get involved in. So therein lies a bit of the problem. And I just said I'd share that with you guys today as I'm talking through climate action and myself in my own free time. Maybe just to point out why it isn't done more. Because there is some ridiculous research coming out and there's all these amazing policy documents, policy plans, and sustainability strategies and sometimes they do just get left on a dusty shelf and I really just want to bring them out into the light of day and share all of the news and all of the thoughts with you guys so that we can all be a little bit more informed share some ideas and honestly set up a conversation because it can be easy to assume that academics have all the answers and oh they're looking into it it'll be fine but actually what a lot of the more cutting-edge research in behavioral change and the climate and looking at you know culture and climate and how we can cause you know a systematic change so that's across the board change in our emissions reducing those carbon dioxide emissions reducing those methane emissions it's actually more of a conversation, more so than academics saying, hey, hang on, this is what we should be doing. Because when you look at the past, academics have been sort of warning about this for a long time. But the warnings weren't really trickling down. And this is really why academics need to get a little bit more creative. And also, as well in general, then, you know, create that 
space for a conversation so that we can push on with the research, push on with the outreach and get to the bottom of all these problems because academics are coming up with solutions that sometimes may not exactly take flight in real life you know and there's a there's always that cliche of of academics being in their ivory tower so that means you know they're very focused on their papers and their books but they don't really bring it into practice so communication can really help with that practice and yeah that really is some of the thoughts that I've been having today and I just hope that you are enjoying this and would like to be joining me on this journey where I'm chatting about climate action and some of the topics that are coming up at the moment. And I know next month it's going to be Science Week, which is a big week for climate communication and for science communication, but it's just one week in the year. This climate issue, it's all over the news, it's always happening, and it's going to be the story It's going to really be the story of our lives for the next, you know, 50 years until we transition to, you know, a carbon cutting society and we are not even there yet. We're not even close to being there yet and we never have done it before. So there will be not a stone unturned, I would say, when we're looking into this topic and looking into this issue. So looking forward to joining you on this discussion and sharing my thoughts.